hi. You're on the air, caller. <laughs> <laughs> Dwayne Gill. Fucking A, man. Yes. I haven't seen you in forever. Yes, and I'm so happy to talk to you. I'm so glad that you took the time out to have me on your podcast because you're way more famous than me. You know what? You might say that I am more famous than you, but... Sometimes I see you, you're working way more than I am because you do those corporate, those plushy, cushy corporate gigs. Cushy. They're, all, they're not always cushy. No? Sometimes I'm in bumfuck Egypt, dude. Sometimes you always pity me because you always say every time you see pictures of me doing comedy is in front of number of white people. And you know what? I love them. You know why? Because their check's clear. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> their check's clear. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm working my ass off. Because, you know, I'm still working both jobs. You know I'm working two jobs. You know it, right? You know what? You know who does that? Lenny um, Lenny Schultz did that when he was on TV. He was also working as okay. a gym teacher. So now he collects multiple pensions from SAG and from when he was a gym teacher. I'm like, my God, I should be doing that. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I only got, you know, I could leave right now. You know, I've been working as a Michigan State Trooper for 23 years. And actually, I got my time in where I could leave if I want to, but I'm staying because I'm just trying to sweep my pension up. So if I stay for another six years, I'll get an extra ton of money for my pension, and then I can just do comedy full-time. You know, I end up just being a cruise ship comedian where I just go off into the sunset and die. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> oh, You want to um, be a cruise ship comedian? Know, I think that'll be fun. You know what I'm saying? Be out on cruises and... And, uh, you know, drinking for free, for free. For I understand you can bring your wife, and then one week you can bring your girlfriend the next week. I mean, I think that'll be kind of cool. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, why not? Dude, can't, you can't be sneaking in jokes on a podcast from your set. <laughs> well, no, they're not jokes. That's just the real. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the like, truth, I'm, right? I'm keeping, it, I'm, I'm keeping it 100 with you, cool. I'm, you know me. I'm keeping it 100. Like, where do we meet? Like, you know, we met in 2004. No, I think, yeah, it was 2004 at the Boston County Festival, right? Or six? Two thousand like one of those early 2000s. Yeah, it was like 2006. That was, I only had like two years in comedy, and we met at the Boston Comedy Festival, and I totally ate it, okay? And I don't know what you're doing right now, but I'm, I'm still talking. And I... Uh, <laughs> I was just, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to explain to you what I'm doing. I hear a little static, so I was um, I was lifting up the cord because, um, oh, you know what it is? My computer uh, is here. I should push my computer away. You know what? Yeah, push it away. Yeah. Is this your first podcast? Is this the first one you've done with somebody? Is this me? Is it just me on the thing? <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. You know what? Let me move my computer even further away. Move it away. What do you got? What do you got? An old Commodore 64 computer from Radio Shack or something up there? What the hell? Okay, hello. <laughs> oh man, that sounds even better. Wait, wait, wait. Can you hear? Can do you hear a difference? You don't know it's because you're bit, not yeah. you're not connected to the uh, recording device. No, it, it sounds it sounds know. a lot better for me. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, no, we met in 2006. It was at the Boston Comedy Festival, right? Yeah. And. Uh, yeah, we had we had a good time. We had, we had a blast. We were friends ever since. Oh my god! You know what? Where where did we meet? One of those venues. It was probably um, Remington's or something. Yeah, we were at, at the Boston Comedy Connection back then. Oh yeah. You know what? Does that place even exist anymore? No, I think it's closed now. I think it's closed. Yeah, I think 
You know, because you, you came out from New York. Weren't you living in New York? No, I was living in Boston. I probably oh, okay. I probably lied and said I, I came up from New York to make myself look better. <laughs> <laughs> we were in Boston. We were in Boston, and then we did a show or something. We were in the festival, and you ate dick on stage? I don't remember that. Yeah, I ate it. Yeah, I did, I did terrible. I did terrible. It was awful. But I hadn't only been doing comedy for like a couple of years. And the level of comedians that were on my that were there were just phenomenal. I mean, I mean the people that were there. I can't, I can't barely even remember, but I mean. Well, I to be to be fair, like after after starting comedy for only two years, you think everybody's incredible. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. Mike Kaplan. Like, yeah, Mike. Yeah, absolutely. You get to the Boston. Everybody is. Um, Mike Kaplan was there. Um, who's the guy? He's from, uh, man, he's, man, I can't think of his name. But it was a whole bunch of people that are famous that are, like, on TV now, you know, that I met and, there And the only the And the but only was, guy's name you could remember is Mike Kaplan. <laughs> yeah, well, that's the only one I can remember right now. I, I'm trying to remember this one guy. He broke both his ankles a few years ago, and, uh, he, I can't, man, come on, you should know his name. It's, um... He's from Wisconsin originally, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, and he always he, he talks real slow and deliberate. Oh man, I can't think of. What is he? Is he I, big? I is he big now? Yeah, he's big now. Yeah, he's big. Daniel Tosh. Oh man, no, he wasn't there. No, Daniel Tosh was there. I can't even think of the guy's name that won it now, and I still talk to him every now and then. You know, when you get to be fifty-three years old, you get this disease called CRS. Can't remember shit. Oh come and, on! Uh, but you, you, serious, you man. work out on a regular basis. Your mind stays sharp. You go on stage. You work a a cop job during the day. I mean, do you really forget stuff? Yeah, yeah, I work. Yeah, yeah. I've been working as a state trooper in Michigan for the past twenty-three years. So. A lot of times I work my day job Monday through Friday, right, or Monday through Thursday right now, 10 to ten to uh, 7 to 5, and then I get off, and then I go do a set someplace. I'll, and like I said, I'm usually booked on the weekends, you know, to do corporate stuff. I do a lot of I do a lot of uh, 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 corporate things for, like, businesses and corporations and stuff, and do the employee appreciation night or their Christmas party. Like, this is my busy, busy season right now. I mean, right after Thanksgiving, I mean, I'm booked all the way through through Christmas, you know? Yeah. So a bunch of bunch of corporate stuff. You know, Dwayne, I've never done a corporate event. Really? I've never, I've never been hired by a corporation to do a comedy show. But what do you think it would go like if I did? Well, you know, you would have to clean up. You know what? To be honest, I haven't, I haven't seen you in the club. Last, only time I seen you was like on last time standing. And did you do something at Gotham? Did you do Gotham live at Gotham? No, I did Gotham Comedy Live. Yeah, yeah, Gotham Comedy Live. Yeah, I think I saw that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, I talked to Kathleen Madigan years ago, and she says that you should have a good corporate set, a good club set, and a, a good corporate clean set, a good club set, and then a good Friday night late show dirty in the gutter set. So that's the way I've always been. Wow. You know what? I feel guys. like I feel like all I've been working on is my good Friday night gutter set. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, but all you do, you just work the comedy clubs, right? But you're getting into clubs. So I see you all the time. You're at really great clubs. You know what I'm saying? And you're working. That's still that's good. Yeah, I looked at the clubs that you do, and I never even heard of them. Yeah, you know, you never hear the clubs I do. Yeah. The clubs I do... 
are kind of like B-room kind of clubs and uh, whatnot. But, uh, you know, my club work is only about 30% of my business. 70% of my business is corporate private gigs. 70% 70% of my business is Wow, you know gigs. what? Like, I should write... You do, like, super safe stuff when you do corporate gigs? No, super safe with your... No, 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 no. I just do my set. It's not... I do... Because, you know, I talk about my job. I talk about my family. And it's... I guess it's pretty safe. But sometimes, I mean, I, I get a little edgy if I do a little um, topical stuff. It may get a little edgy. But I always check it out with the client first. And they'll tell me, you know, you can be PG-13. It's nothing but adults here or whatever you'll be fine. And I just walked the line. You know what I'm saying? I've only gotten one complaint from one business one time. And they wrote it. They wrote my agent a horrible email about my set. They didn't like it. Why didn't they like agent, it? You know, fun, because they said that I was a lot about race, ethnicity. Oh, all, you know, yeah. And corporations, place. they want to act like everybody's white. Right. 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 And they right. Like they act all. like like even though the black guy who works in IT, yeah, everybody knows that's the one black guy in the company. But like you can't point it out. They're like, oh, well, we don't act like he's black. We just let him sort of blend in to be white because we're all white. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And they didn't like my act at all. So they wrote a, a scathing email to my agent, which was funny business at the, at the time and which they still are. And my agent, Jameson Yoder, is like, Dwayne, what happened? You've never gotten a complaint. You've been doing this for years. I said, man, I don't understand. So I was, so he asked me to write them a quick apology. And I, you know, I wrote them. I said, hey, I'm sorry if you were offended. This is the first, I said, this is the first complaint I've ever gotten from any of my corporate shows. And I guess there's a first time for everything. So I got, I got a little dig on them. But when that. you, when you apologize, but, it's not like you have to give part of your check back, right? Exactly. No, no, no. And they paid me, listen, Esther. They paid me shitty money anyway. So it was like, Oh my God, well, paid. fuck them. I only, Man. Yeah, exactly. I only got paid. I only got paid $800 anyway, so they kissed my ass. But let me tell you what I did. So what I did was, after that happened, at the end of all my shows, I, I take the email that they that they sent me, and I, at the end of all my shows now, I, I'll say, hey, did you guys enjoy the show? They'll be like, ooh, yeah, we enjoyed the show. I said, well, sometimes... Shows don't go so well. Let me read you an email to it that I got from this from this one company that didn't like my act at all. What was the I, what, <laughs> wait, 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 what was the company? Well, that's what I said. I said I can't tell you the name of the company, but their initials are DTE. DTE. <laughs> and, yeah, DTE. And that's and and that joke goes really good in Michigan because everybody in Michigan knows that DTE is an energy company. Okay, uh, everybody in Michigan. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> <It's an energy laughs> right. Why are these so Why are these energy people got like sticks up their asses? That's not good. Exactly. Oh, oh my God! This sticks are so far up their asses that they can smell oil. I swear to God, that's not part of the picture up their asses. And so I read the email and then I comment on that and then it's really cool and everybody I get everybody in the audience to say fuck DTE fuck DTE. Ah, <laughs> oh my god! And every and do they have a monopoly on the power in Michigan? Is it does everybody have DTE? Yeah, they're pretty big. It's only two major companies: DTE and Consumers in Michigan. So yeah, they're pretty big. It actually in the Midwest because uh, I'll do the joke in Ohio. And they'll know who it is. And I make sure before I do the joke that that people would know who DTE is. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's pretty oh. cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah, 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 it's yeah. Funny yeah. As hell. Are you in Are you it's in um, Lansing, Michigan? Yeah, I live in I live in Lansing, Michigan. 
I'm from Detroit originally, because that's where I'm from. Uh, most black people from Michigan are from Detroit. And uh, <laughs> just like Eminem, that was right? That's supposed to be a joke. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I live in Lansing. I've been in Lansing for 16 years. I love it here. Lansing is so diverse. Uh, it's the home of Michigan State University. Let me ask uh, you, I do like you, it, you know, in the summer times, do you ever see uh, a bunch of Korean missionaries I at MSU? Oh, not missionaries, but I see a whole bunch of Koreans. <laughs> Well, you know what? When I was a kid, I would go to Lansing every other summer. Really? Yeah. We would have uh, like a summer Bible, international summer Bible conference for the church that I grew up in. And they would rent out. No way. They it would be so big. They would rent out multiple dorms on the MSU campus. And we would go to the yeah. auditorium. Do you know what the name of that big auditorium is at MSU? Yeah. What's it called? Yeah. The big, the big auditorium. Um, um, oh boy, um, not the Breslin Center. That's the, um, the Wharton, Wharton Center. Yeah, the Wharton Center. Yes, the Wharton Center. Oh yeah. my God! Like yeah, we would, Wharton. it would be like a, it would be like a four-day conference. We would go up on a Thursday and stay overnight in the in the dorms, and then come back Sunday or Monday. And we would go no to work. Yeah, like I and I was in the orchestra. I would like play oboe in the orchestra during the conference. But I mean, how many people does that hall fill? It feels like what thousands of people, right? Oh yeah, a couple thousand, easy about five thousand or so. It's, yeah, it's a, no, it's a it's a, a huge, huge yeah. it's a huge conference hall uh, or or auditorium. If it's like probably yeah, you're right, five thousand ish people, and the place yeah. would be. Filled, and there would be like missionaries from all over the world um and they would like everybody we would have like a dance night not where we dance but like everybody would perform an african dance or a russian dance or a mexican dance as a way to pray for these countries to be um oh wow pioneered and interesting yeah and so i'm surprised i never ran into you there so you were a good church girl so where did it all go wrong you mean go right <laughs> Where did it go wrong that you're making you're making videos in Jamaica with all these black guys swinging on a on a swing and talking about all these dirty things? Oh my goodness! Yeah, but that After, that's my did it go? that's my that's my way of rebelling against the whole church system that was drilled into me since I was a kid. Wow, no fooling. That's interesting. That is interesting. Look, I'm interviewing you now. So, <laughs> how do you feel about all of that? don't worry, we'll get back to you. So how did that make you feel? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, but it was crazy. Like, I almost feel like not that I spent the summers at MSU, MSU, but I did get to know the campus pretty well. Like, I remember going to the cafeteria, and yeah, like we would all eat in the in the student cafeteria. And um, one time we saw a sign that said sex is wet in one of the dorm room windows, like on the 20th floor or something. And yeah, it was like, oh, I can't believe like these, you know, this this college campus is full of sinful, sinful people, you know, like, wow, like, like they have sex and they advertise it on the window. Like to me at the time, it was shocking because that was like the first obscene sort of sign that I had ever read huh. in public. How old were you? Um, I was probably like 12 or 13 or something. Oh, okay. All right. So this is only like five years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, six or seven. <laughs> You're so funny. 
It's funny. Well, cool. But yeah, so I'm here in the Midwest doing my thing. You know, um, I mean, I like to come to New York or LA and do that, but I'd rather be a big fish in a small pond than be out there and be a little fish in that big pond. You know what I'm saying? And then they always, they give me a, you know, I always hear that it's really hard to really try to get on television as a comedian when you're 53. You know, and they're always looking for young. Well, Rodney, Rodney Dangerfield was 53 when he started, and look at his career. Yeah, no, but that was back then, though. Now, you know, you get these agents and stuff, they're all like, even though if you're funny, they're like, oh, shit, what the hell is that? They're always like, you're too old, or you're too old. You're yeah, but you can't you also. can't believe it. You can't believe it. You got to just tell yourself, you know what? I'm going to be the exception to that rule. Okay, all right, all right. Well, we'll see what happens, well, like I said, I either come out there or go on cruise ships. I don't give a shit. Yeah. As long as I make money. I'm... <laughs> Wait, so you know what I like about you is that uh, you're very open with, like, your day job. Because a lot of comedians, they'll try to hide the fact that they have a day job. But you just straight out tell people, I'm a cop during the day and a comedian at night. Right. Right. And that's what I do. I let them know. But, so, like, you're, are you telling me I shouldn't let them know I have a day job? No, I said that I like it because you're just open about it. You know, like, so many of us are trying uh, to, like, hide the fact that you're working a day job during the day. Yeah. Well, of course, if you're not, you know, famous. Yeah, yeah, no, no, I think that, I think, you know, and I've heard that from comedians before. They say you, should, you shouldn't tell people that you still have a day job. But I can't, that's like, that's like lying to me on stage. And I got to be truthful on stage. I I, you know, I, I got to be able to talk about what I do, you know, because that's so much of a part of me and it's been a part of me for years. I mean, I was in, I've been a state trooper for 23 years. You know, I, did you know I was in the Marines too for 10 years? Did you know that? I did. I did my research on you. Yeah. Oh, you, oh, you, you know, know, you know who else was in the Marines uh, is Donnell Rawlings. Oh, yeah. Donnell, really? Yeah, he was in the Marines. Something about you Marine guys are funny. Yeah, yeah. Donnell is funny as hell. I met him when I was in that contest with Kevin Hart uh, standing up as Miller time when I was a finalist in that contest out in Las Vegas in 2012. We had we had a blast. Oh, my God. He awesome. is he is so hilarious, right? He is so funny. Because you just worked with him. Didn't you just work with him recently? Yeah, I just opened for him in New York. Yeah, I saw that. Man, you've been getting some good gigs, though. I mean, I mean... I mean, you know, I work, I do work, but I mean, I, you know, I'm still a fan, and I see you working your ass off, and I mean, you were on that show, you know, wilding out and all of that. Well, we follow we, 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 we follow each other on Instagram, and uh, you know, I just got good photoshopping skills. I just photoshop myself in a new outfit in front of a comedy club stage. Oh, okay. Yeah, you want to have a good comedy club, but you're good at the comedy. You work at the comedy club. You do the comedy club. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I was just trying to make a joke, but I guess it didn't translate over the phone. No. It's okay, so you've been a cop for like more than twenty years. I mean, I want to ask you a million yeah. questions about you being a cop. Please, please do ask me anything. Anything you ever want to know about the police, but we're afraid to ask. Ask. Okay. Well, when when you pull people over, like, what's the number one common? excuse you hear for why people are speeding <laughs> okay well first off let's get this in context it's been years since i've been out on the street pulling people over so i do something different now but uh, when i have i have pulled over people recently it's always oh i wasn't paying attention oh i'm going just as fast as the other traffic um the the, the craziest excuse i ever heard I remember this lady went through a red light, and I said, why did you go through that light? Well, I'm on my period, and I didn't have any maxi pads, and I'm trying to get home to get to them. That's what I was going to ask was, you. 
I was gonna tell I was yeah. gonna ask you like would that work because it would just gross you out first of all and you'd be like okay just go no because you know what happened what I did I gave her a ticket anyway so that she could take it to court so that she can tell the judge and everybody in court in public why she went through the red light and that bitch did it <laughs> oh my god you're such a jerk what if it was true <laughs> You guys don't understand that when we have our periods, like I've been getting my period for several years now and <laughs> and I still for for several decades now and still to this day I still bleed through my underwear. I still never know when oh, my God. period is coming. I'm still surprised when I get it. I'm still uh, <laughs> buying new underwear because I ruin underwear and mattresses. And now I have a mattress okay. cover. So now that doesn't happen. But it took me a right. long time to get adjusted to having a period. Like it's, it's wow. really difficult for us to manage. And especially me, I'm a stoner. I you know, don't always have my menstrual cup in my purse just in case I get my period in the middle of the day when I'm out and about doing shit. You know, I know more about you in the last three minutes than I've ever heard ever in life. So thank you. Thank you for that. <laughs> I appreciate it. But I know, I know way more about you than I've ever so known what was, before. But thank you. I appreciate it. What was her reaction when you gave her a ticket? Uh, she was not happy. She was not happy. That's why I said she took it to court. And she... uh. And she stood up in court and said that. And I, like I said, I giggled my ass off because that was just like, really? And, but again, too, I guess I'm not a, I'm not a woman. I've never had to bleed. So I have no idea. Next time I see you, is, next time I see you, I'm going to stab your balls until they bleed. So you know what it's like when we get our periods. <laughs> Say, okay, what, how would you know. feel? Somebody pulled you over for speeding, you jerk. <laughs> she went to a red light. So let me see. So, so that, that's happened. Um, I mean, you get all kind of stupid excuses, you know. I tell you, the one thing that you hear all the time is you're, if you pull somebody over and you think they've been drinking, this is the one thing that you'll hear all the time. I say, so how many, how much have you had to drink tonight? And they'll always say, a couple of beers. A couple of beers. That's the, all that's, that's the that guy, the, the people who are super drunk will just say a couple of beers? Yes, yes, that is universal. A couple of beers. Okay, so I mean, don't ever say a couple is, of beers. It's a dead giveaway. Yeah, pretty much because that's what that's what everybody always says. Well, I mean, I mean you shouldn't you shouldn't drink and drive either. But if you, yeah, no, no, no. I mean, I'm telling you, if I pull over somebody in Mexico, they'll say, "Don't serve us." Okay, <laughs> I'm telling you. Wait, hey, why? You worked in Mexico here. as a cop before? No, I'm just trying to be funny because I thought that that was kind of funny. <laughs> 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 Don't, I like how you get all years. sad when you exp have to explain it. You're right. I'm a dope. <laughs> look, I'm, look I, I would say I'm a stoner, but I can't because I still a police officer, so, so I don't smoke weed anymore. On the record, <laughs> on the record, you don't smoke weed anymore. On the record, I don't smoke weed. I don't smoke <laughs> weed. I'm still the police. So but when I retire one day, we'll get some medicine together, so... Okay, I'll be there at your uh, retirement party. Actually, there you can. You, you bring, you bring, you bring it. You bring, you bring, you bring the medication, and we'll call it medicine. That's what we'll call it. Yeah, why don't we? <laughs> why don't we book me as the comedian for your retirement party to roast you? 
you know what? I think that would be kind of hot. I think I would like that. I think I think I would like that. Let's talk I, about it. I think I just booked <laughs> myself a gig. Wait, so I want to go back to this um, pension talk. What exactly is a pension? Oh, okay. Let me explain. What happens is after you work for so many years, um, the government will give you, the state government gives me a, what we call a defined benefit. Okay? You got a difference nowadays. You got defined benefits and defined, defined contributions. A defined benefit is a pension. Those, that is something where you, I'll get paid a certain amount of money each month for the rest of my life. Okay? The government guarantees me this. this is, I will get paid this amount of money each month for the rest of my life. That's a defined benefit. That's a pension. A defined contribution is where you put in money into like a 401k, okay? And you put in money and then the government matches your 401k with a certain amount of funds. And then at the end, when you get ready to return, you, you, you get um, money out of your defined contribution. I have both. I have a defined benefit, a pension, and a defined contribution. So right now, I'll probably, when I retire, my pension will be somewhere between fifty-five dollars to $60,000 a year. You know, just here. This is your money. This is what you earn. Wow, and you gonna? Where are you gonna? A, where are you gonna retire? You gonna have a nice retirement package? Yeah, I'm gonna have a nice one. Yeah, but I have that. Plus, I have my 401k. Plus, I have this extra money that I'm working these extra six years for to get. So I'm gonna have anywhere between cash about seven hundred thousand dollars in cash, and then a pension of about sixty thousand dollars a year. So I'll be set. I won't have to work again. Are you gonna? In my life. Are you going to stay in Michigan? No, no. I was thinking about, this is what I'm thinking about doing. One of, two, one of three things. If I was thinking about just keeping my house in Michigan and then getting a place in either Florida, New York, or L.A., just a little, like a little crash pad, and then work out of one of those spots, whichever is better for stand-up comedy. Everybody always says New York is better. If you want to pursue stand-up comedy, you should go to New York. And other people say, if you want to pursue acting, you should get a place in uh in LA. The only reason I was thinking about Florida, like, like I was thinking about going to Tampa, is just so that I could um do cruise ships right out of Florida. You know what Yeah, I'm but saying? if you if you but, live in New York you could do cruise ships and just fly down to Florida and just take the cruise ship. There's tons of New York comedians who do cruise ships. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. So I just want to know what would it be the best thing to do. I mean, well, you know, you've been doing, you've been, you're in the business, you know, what, what would you suggest if you were a guy like me? Well, it depends on what your personal preferences are. If you go to New York, New York is super stressful, high energy, uh, constantly moving parts. I mean, if you're retired, most people retire in a calmer place like Tampa, where it's chill, quiet, mm -hmm. tropical. So it's up to you. Like, if you feel like, I mean, you are kind of a workaholic because you work in the cop job and you work in the comedy job. So it's like, yeah. I could totally see you in New York. Because yeah, I would rather do New York because I'd rather be on the grind. You know what I'm saying? Right. If I you want to be, be on, on the, grind. the grind, we all know that cops are lazy as fuck. So when you're working your day job, it's not like you're not doing much. You're just, you know, sitting back, putting spelling errors in your police reports, right? Yeah, or, or doing a podcast. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Wait, are you on the clock right now? No, no, let's just... Let's just say I'm off the clock right now. We're not going to talk about what time it is. We're off, I'm off the clock right now. Right, this so. is not live. People don't know that you're sitting in your uh, state trooper car just parked somewhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I'm, I'm, sitting, I'm sitting in the media right now running traffic. So, wait. Oh, there's somebody. Asshole, I gotta go. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a wait. So when you pull people over or 
if you ever like search somebody's house for like drugs and you find weed, what do you do with this weed? And is there a way to get it to somebody like myself? <laughs> that is a wonderful question. I tell you what, if you pull somebody over and they got like a, a pound of weed, I can do one or two things. Okay. I can arrest them. Call me. I can put the, I can put the weed. I'm telling you one or two things. I can arrest them. I can put the weed on evidence and put them through the criminal justice process, or I could keep the weed, okay, and just pass it out to my friends and family. But the difference was this. I would probably get caught passing out to my friends and family. I would go to jail. I would lose my pension and my 401k, and then I would have to do comedy full-time after I get out the joint. So, <laughs> no, but no, you guys, but cops, you guys all cover each other's asses. So even if that happened, they'd be like, oh, no, he didn't. Like who, like, are you saying a family member or a friend would rat you out? How would they know? Shit, man, look, you know, after with my luck, I would get caught. That's why I do everything on a straight and narrow. Let me tell you something. I don't, I don't, I don't mess around. I always tell people I value my pension. I am going to do everything on a straight and narrow. I'm not doing anything that's going to get me in any trouble because, again, I don't want to go to jail. I'm real too pretty. I'm very, I'm a very handsome man. And I will be <laughs> follow, follow him on prison. Instagram at the Comedy Cop. You can see how pretty he is. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. And they will take advantage of my sexiness, all this chocolate. They will take advantage of it in prison. And I don't want to get taken advantage of, so I would just, I'm just going to do my job and take them to jail with that pound of weed. But, you know, did I ever tell you, you know I used to work undercover, right? No, I didn't know that. What did you do? You would, like, go smoke weed with people? Uh, drug dealers? No, no. No, I used to work undercover years ago. I used to buy crack. You had to act like a crackhead, or did you have to do the crack to blend in? Well, see, that's the thing. You don't have to. A lot of times when you work undercover, obviously you can't. If you're a police officer working undercover, you can't use drugs. You know that. You know, I, I can't use drugs. You yeah, know, but, how, drugs but how do these... How do these drug dealers know that you're not a cop? You have to do drugs. Well, no, you don't have to. That's just TV. That's TV. What you have to do is you you obviously, being an undercover police officer, undercover cop is like being a low-pay actor. you got to act like you're somebody else. And then you got to figure out how to get the, 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 the weed or the crack or cocaine. And you got to come up with a good story as to why you're, you're not a user. You know what I'm saying? So a lot of times I would always say I'm just buying some some of this for my girlfriend, you know, and, and make like your that. And make your like, girlfriend look like the crack addict, right? Because they'll say, "Man, well, why don't you?" be like, "Well, man, why don't you send her in here so she can pick this shit up?" And I'd be like, "Man, every time I send her in there, y'all trying to fuck her," and then they'd be like, "Yeah, you right." Uh, but but would, would they shit. would they ever meet her? No, hell no, 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 no. Oh, no, so you just no, you just no. make it look like, oh, my girlfriend's so hot. If I bring her here, if I send her here, you guys will all want to fuck her, and which is a valid point. Exactly. So they believe you. Yes, exactly. Because that's what they try to do. It's real. Well, so, you know what though? So then, you probably you probably made a good undercover cop because usually cops look like white guys, straight edge white guys oh, yeah. with a crew cut. So yeah, yeah. if you're black going undercover, nobody even questions. If you're a cop. Right, right. No, I was good. I was real good. I was real good. I I, I bought cocaine. I bought I bought kilos of cocaine before, you know, from people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I, I was really, really, really good. I, I did a good job working. And that was like years ago, you know. I mean, I haven't done 
undercover work in years. But um, every now and then, you know, they always ask me if, if I would be interested in going back and working, like, on a drug crew or something like that. And I'm like, nah, I already got something outside of work I like doing. So, nah, because you, when you're working on those crews, Esther, you got to work all kind of hours and, you know, work late at night, middle of the night, you get called up because a package is coming in from somewhere and you got to set up a surveillance and all this bullshit. Wait, work, nah, work nah. undercover on a cruise? Yeah, on a crew. Like a, you know, like you see on TV, like a, like a crew, like police officers would be like four or five cops. Oh, yeah, on yeah, a, yeah. On, on, a, on a big project or something. On a conspiracy drug crew and we're following people and we're doing surveillance and, you know, we're tracking people and, and then eventually arresting them and stuff. I used to do all that stuff. I've, I've done surveillance. I mean, would you, done, but wouldn't you like become friends with these drug dealers and like see them as humans and people? And would you ever, would it ever break your heart to have to arrest them? Like, I'm sorry, like I had to reveal myself to them. You know what? That's a, that's, I like that. That's good because when I first started doing it, I used to, I would feel some type of, um, I don't want to say remorse, but I would feel some type of conflict within myself a lot of times because I would get to know these people and they seem like they weren't bad people. They're just trying to make it out here. They're trying to make it, take care of their family, you know. Like one time I was in this dope house and I was waiting for this guy to bring some crack back to me and I'm sitting there with his kid and his girlfriend and it's like 3 o'clock in the afternoon and we watching cartoons, you know what I'm saying? And in the meantime, I'm thinking, you know, once this guy comes back with this dope, you know, eventually we're gonna make we're gonna do a, a buy and then but I, I never busted them right there. We never busted them. We always got them later on. So so I would let my money walk. I would get the, the drugs, take it back, collect it as evidence, write a report, and then eventually get a warrant for this person's arrest, and then arrest them while they're at work or while they're going to work or while they're coming back from work. And would they? And they have no idea. And... They have no idea who, who who set them up. You know. Wait, what? They don't know that you yeah, were the guy? No, they would never know because they're drug dealers. They've been they've been selling drugs to a bunch of people. You know, not just me, but a bunch of people. Holy and shit. And the only time that they would Yeah. And the only time they would figure out that it was uh it was me is when I would have to see him in court, you know? Like what? we'll be, we'll be yeah, yeah, we'll be sitting in court together, you know, and then they'd be like, Man, they get you too. It's like, Yeah, they got me too, man. It's like, Yeah, man, yeah. So then they'll be like, okay, uh, Detective Gill. I say, okay, man, I got to go testify. And then Whoa, I get up and they be shit. like, holy oh, shit. Wait, because you're just in, like, not your uniform. You're just in regular clothes? Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And what would their reaction be? Oh, just just like what you just did. Oh, shit. <laughs> oh, my God. Aren't you ever scared that when they come out of jail, they'll, like, come after you? No, no, that's never happened. That never happened. What? That's but just, I would, again, if I were you, I would be scared about that. No, no, that's just that's TV. That never happens. You know, it's very, 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 very rare that people come out of jail want to go after the police officer and put them in jail because there's there's a couple of reasons why they don't do that. Number one, when you're a dope dealer, you already know the game. You know, you know the game. You know that you you risk getting arrested. You risk getting killed. Or you risk getting robbed by another drug dealer or by a crackhead. You know the game. That's this is all. This is a part of the game. They know it. They've accepted that. So if they get caught, they accept it. When well, I it's, was, om- when, it's almost when I was, part of the process. They almost expect it. Yeah, they accept it. They do. I mean, like I've talked to I talked to guys that I set up before, afterwards, and they say, "Man, they'll come up to me and say, man, 
Listen, man, you was good, man. You was real good, dog. You was good. <laughs> I ain't even had no idea you were the police. Shut yeah, up. Wait. I would get compliments. You would get compliments from uh, the criminals? That's hilarious. Wait, but how yeah, long? Yeah, compliments. How long would you, huh? like, how long would you be going to buy this weed? I mean, this weed, this these drugs. How long would you be going to buy these drugs before you turn them in? Like, would it be months, years? Oh, it'll be like months. It'll be like months. Like one time, I worked on the case for like two or three months, and I kept buying ounces and ounces of cocaine from this guy. And uh, he was telling me, you know, because I, I what I told him was was that I uh, my cover was that I worked at the University of Michigan Hospital, and that I was worked in a I was like a janitor there, you know. And then I slipped and fell, and that I sued the hospital, and I got like fifty thousand dollars, right? So now I'm using some of this money to get back in the game. So he said, "Oh man, cool." So then I started buying ounces of cocaine for him, and told him that I had a dope house of my own in Ann Arbor, and he lived in Ypsilanti. So I said, "I got a dope house over here." He's like, "For real?" I said, "Yeah, man." He said, "So he was my supplier, so I would buy ounces from ounces from him." And then he would teach me. He said, "Man, you know, you, you want if you're gonna get these three ounces of, of cocaine, he says you need two ounces of crack, one ounce of powder." He said, "Cause you want to have whatever these folks want. If you get black people, they're gonna want the crack. If you get some of these white boys, they're gonna want the powder. You want to be able to have it all." And I'd be like, "Oh yeah, man, that's right, that's right." So then I would buy like three ounces from him, like two ounces would be crack, one ounce would be powder, or vice versa. And then eventually, I moved him up to selling me a half a kilo of cocaine. And so with him, so I said, man, I can't keep buying these little quantities from me. I need more. And he said, man, I know that shit is going fast. I said, yeah, man, that shit. I said, man, that shit is going fast. I said, man, that shit is lovely. He's like, oh, yeah, man, my shit is dope. So eventually, we were going to do a, a half a kilo deal. And then when we went to the spot where we usually meet at, like I would meet him at like a McDonald's. And then we would drive to this little location that was like out in the woods. And then we would do do our little deal. You know, I would get the, the drugs from him and he, I would give him the money. Well, he didn't show up. And this is when we were going to bust him, Esther. We were going to bust him. Oh, my God. You think, you think he knew? Well, listen, I'm going to tell you. So we had a helicopter up. We had a SWAT team in the woods. We had surveillance cars everywhere. And my, my crew leader was like, do you want to wear a vest? Do you want to wear a bulletproof vest on this deal? And I said, no, oh, man, I never wear a vest. I'm okay. He said, well, you never bought this much cocaine before. And I said, yeah, I guess you're right. I said, no, I'm okay. So anyway, I go to the place. He never shows up. Guy never shows up. I call him. He's like, oh, I'm putting it together. I'll be there in a minute. I'll be kept along me off. So anyway, we finally closed the deal down. And so eventually, we saw him at a gas station that same night. So my crew picked him up, grabbed him, took him back to the police station. And it's just like on TV. He's sitting behind the glass. We got three uh, police officers interviewing him, an FBI guy, an ATF guy, and a state police guy interviewing him. And I'm behind the glass. He can't see me, but I can see him. And they're asking him, they're like, hey, man, we had an undercover uh, officer in you for the past three months. He's been buying some drugs from you. Um, you need to come clean. And the guy's like, fuck you, man. I ain't telling you shit. You, I ain't got no dope on me. You ain't catch me with nothing. You need to let me go. And so they said, uh, Detective Gill, can you come in the room for a oh moment? Oh, my God. So, so I walk in the room, and he jumps up like he was going to jump on me, and they push him back. And I said, hey, man, this shit is for real. You better talk to these people. And then I walk out the room, and he says, man, I ain't sell that motherfucking no dope. <laughs> <laughs> and, then he start, and, then, and then he started talking. And then uh, he talked and told us about his supplier. 
And then we asked him, we said, well, why? He says, why didn't you show up? You've been working with uh, my, my coat. My nickname when I worked on the cover was DC. It was Dwayne Carter, like, like Lil Wayne. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and they said, they said, why didn't you show up uh, when DC uh, called you? He said, because the guy that I usually show up with that takes me to these deals with DC wanted to rob him. They were, he wanted to kill him, shoot him in the head, and take his money. Wait, holy and, uh, shit. He was protecting yeah, you? They were, they, he was protecting me, yes. <gasps> That's why he didn't show up. Oh, that is so heart-wrenching. Oh, my God. Isn't that, isn't that crazy? Isn't that crazy? That's true story. That is adorable. Oh, my God. He saved your life. Yep, yep. And I was thankful to that. But about a month later, uh, somebody figured it out that he was snitching and killed him. (gasps) Oh, God. Yep, true story. Oh, my God. So his... That guy guy saved my life. Oh, my God. That's a real Dwayne Gill martyr right there. So his... His yeah. supplier knew that you were a cop? No, 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 no. He just, his guy, his mate, his guy that usually comes with just, would just want to rob me. Cause oh, I, I had yeah, like yeah, yeah. Because I had $20,000 on me. They were, it was going to just be a rip. They, we wow. It a rip. Yeah, so, it's so dangerous yeah. to go undercover. Yeah, no shit. No shit. Especially when you start buying big quantities worth of drugs. You know what I'm saying? The, the stakes go up a lot, you know? And so... So yeah, so that's what happened. That's what happened. So yeah, true story. Yeah. So would you go yep, to? This was, would you go to work scared? No, I never was scared. I wasn't scared of that deal either. I never thought about that going wrong like that because number one, I had the SWAT team in the woods. I had a helicopter. I had all my backup was around. But the thing, what would have happened if they would have came to me? Like if we had did the deal the way we usually do it, when I pulled up in the car. And then behind him, I followed him to this location. He would usually get out the passenger side, come back, jump inside the passenger side of my car, and then we would do the deal. And then I, I was, I had the money in the trunk. And then what was, what I was going to do was be able to get out the car, go to the trunk, open up the trunk, lift the trunk open, and that would have been a visual signal for the SWAT team to take us down. Okay. Oh. And, uh, wow. But, yeah, that that's the way we had planned it. But if I had done that, if we had went. And his boy would have came back. His boy would have just shot me. And I would have just been dead. But then the SWAT team would have killed him. And then there's just been a drug deal going bad. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. God damn it. But holy yeah. shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, you, 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 you didn't know you were going to get a story like this on your podcast. Oh, my you? God. No, <laughs> I ain't never had a story like that on my podcast. And you're the first cop to do my podcast. <laughs> I mean, first cop comedian. Yeah, first cop comedian. <laughs> the only one I know of. No, you know what? I usually don't get along with cops. I mean, not that I don't get. Yeah, al- I believe you. No, I mean, not that I don't get along with them. I it, it just, in theory, the idea of a cop usually repulses me because my older brother is a cop. Oh, I didn't know that. Really? Where? Uh, in a suburb of Chicago, because he's a pussy. <laughs> like he doesn't work <laughs> so in the city. Silly. In the city, right? You're so silly. So, yeah, yeah. But growing up, my older brother, it's like he took his cop training out on me because growing up, he would just beat me up constantly. Oh, that's mean. Yeah, it is mean. Did you grow up beating people up? 
No, never. I was a nice guy. I was a super nice guy. I grew up, all I grew up, I never even wanted to be a cop. You know, some people grew up knowing they wanted to be the police. I grew up just wanting to be in the service. I wanted to be in the military. That's how I grew up. I just wanted to go in the military. So when I was 17, I went right into the Marines. And I was in the Marines from 17 to 27. The only reason I decided to become a police officer was because my best friend was a police officer. And uh, when I when I talked with him, he really enjoyed being a state trooper. And so he took me out on a patrol with him one day. I went on a ride-along, you know, like the movie. I went on a ride-along. <laughs> and I was like... Ice Cube. Yeah, I was like, man, I was like, this shit is fun. And so that's what, that's what, and then I got hooked, and that's what made me want to be a cop. Yeah, true oh story. Oh my God, best friends can pull you into some dangerous shit. Yeah, but I'm used to dangerous shit. I was in the Marines, and I didn't care. I like dangerous shit. Dangerous fun. The reason I became a comedian is is the even funnier story. That's even funnier because what ended up happening, um, you know, when I was I was in the Marines and I was stationed in Detroit. I used to be a recruiter, you know, for the Marines. Uh huh. And so. I was stationed in Detroit as a you were, you were that guy giving out, like, duffel bags in high school cafeterias saying, join the Marine? Yes, yes, I was that guy, yes. I was that guy. High school cafeteria, girls around me. Hey, you can do this, too, if you was a Marine. <laughs> you know, that kind of Stupid. Right, right? But I always had a side hustle. All my life, I always had a side hustle. I don't care what it was. So I had something I always did on the side. So when I was a recruiter... I used to work backstage security at the Fox Theater in Detroit, Michigan, and also at the Joe Louis Arena in Detroit. So I used to do security for concerts and comedy shows and shit like that. You know, like be a bouncer, right? So one day I was backstage at a comedy show at the Fox and Bill Bellamy. You know, you know Bill Bellamy, yeah, right? Yeah, Bill Bellamy. He introduced me um, on Last Comic Standing. There you go. He was the stand-up comedian that night. And he was doing his set. He was doing his famous uh, joke, Booty Call. That's what he's famous for. Are you familiar with that? No, I don't know that bit. He's the one that coined... Bill Bellamy is the one that coined the phrase, Booty Call. He coined that phrase. Shut he's up. Talk about is that how, on Wikipedia? Yeah, I don't know if it is or not, but he co- I know he coined what? it. What? He bit, made up Booty Call? About, That's insane. That's he, huge. Yes, he made up Booty Call. He did a joke about that shit, about how's your man. You know, you ever lay back in the crib? You know, you think you want a little something, something? He said, man, you make a booty call. And people started laughing. He told me, he'd be on the phone. He'd be like, he said, he, his joke was, he said, I would break out my roller fuck. Instead of calling it a roller deck, he said, my roller fuck. And then he act like he's spinning it. He said, oh, Keisha. No, I can't call her. She or I owe her money. Uh-huh. Kim, can't call her. She got too many kids. Sonya, ooh, Sonya, ooh, I'd like to get some of that. And man, that shit was so fucking funny. I mean, people were they were rolling the aisles. They were. Oh, they you were saw laughing. you saw the booty call bit live. Yes, I saw it live from that day. Wow, like, crazy! I said, how did somebody? How? So when he got off stage, I said, hey man, I said, I know I don't know you, you know. I said, but can you tell me how does somebody become a comedian? How do you get into? This? I said, man, you were awesome. That was that was amazing. He says, well, you need to start going to open mic. I said, what's an open mic? He said, well, I'm from New Jersey. He said, you find your local comedy club in your town. That is so cool. Bill Bellamy was your first comedy teacher. Yes, he was. He was my inspiration. Absolutely. Bill Bellamy is the one that got me to want to do stand-up comedy. I swear to God. Wow. That motherfucker is so goddamn funny. I want, 
All I want to do is be like Bill Belichick. That's all I want to do is be him. And, wow. Yep. Okay, he knows he knows that we have I haven't seen him in, in person since then, but on Twitter I had a chance to send him a tweet, let him know, hey, you my inspiration. You the guy that got me to want to do you comedy. My like, inspiration. Oh, man, Next time I see him, I'm gonna tell him that. <laughs> you gonna, tell him if you see him, man. I, I'm gonna I be like I'm friends with I'm, I'm, I'm friends with Sergeant Dwayne Gill. <laughs> you funny. You gotta tell him that. He'll say Sergeant Who. <laughs> He'll be like, oh, that annoying guy on Twitter who likes everything I tweet? Yeah, that guy. I'm that guy. I'm that guy. Yeah. So, you know what? Being a black guy and being a cop, it's almost an oxymoron with this whole Black Lives Matter, police, Blue Lives Matter. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's almost like you could wear a reversible shirt. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, I've been mistreated by the police before. I mean, I have been. I mean, as a black man... I think just about every black man in America has been mistreated by the police at one time or another. I mean, I got, in 1985, I was coming back from North Carolina from uh, the Marines, and I was doing 88 miles an hour, and this trooper pulls me over, and I was trying to hide my radar detector, and I thought, I guess he must have thought I was trying to hide a gun. He snatched me out of the car, threw me across the trunk of my car, and then drew down on me and was about to shoot me. You know, so Holy I was like, dude, shit. I'm a Marine. A white guy come? I'm like, dude, I'm a Marine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a big six foot two North Carolina State Trooper. God yeah. damn him. Yeah. So he, and I'm like, dude, he said, what are you doing? I said, I ain't doing nothing, man. He said, you got a gun? I said, no. He said, I almost killed your ass. I'm like, for what? I, I ain't got no gun. And then the asshole wrote me a ticket for 88 miles an hour. Oh, what an asshole. Yeah, yeah. I mean, doesn't that give you... I mean, after after something like that happens, doesn't it shake you up for a while? Well, you know, honestly, I didn't realize the gravity of it at the time. But what I did realize later on is that that was wrong, and that if I ever become a police officer, I would never treat anybody like that, and I never and I never have, you know. And a lot of times, as a black police officer, yes, we have conflict within ourselves because if we see one of our colleagues mistreating somebody, we have to have the intestinal fortitude to tell them, no, you shouldn't do that, or to report them if they're making some type of abuse. You have to be, you you got to stand up for, for people. I don't care what color they are. If they, if they are, if somebody I work with is mistreating someone regardless of their color, I need to have the courage to say, to stop them, to say this is wrong, or the courage to testify against them if I have to. I don't have a problem with that. You know what I'm saying? I, but I would, I would, I would imagine some people that are police officers. They always they want to cover each other, and that's wrong. You got to do the right thing all the time, right? Right. right? I mean, you guys are all like protecting each other's pensions and shit, but <laughs> right? Because you got you're a cop, right, so you right. know if you lose that, how valuable that is. Oh yeah, it's very valuable. But that's why you have to be do the right thing all the time and. And the agency that I'm a part of, fortunately, is a very, very professional agency. We are very, the Michigan State Police is a very professional agency. We don't have a lot of abuses or problems that these little podunk towns have that end up on television, okay, by doing something wrong. You don't see that stuff coming out of Michigan. We're a very professional agency and we believe in, in treating people well, maybe you guys maybe you guys also have more black cops than a place like north carolina or wisconsin would 
Well, we, we, have, we, we have about 10, 13% diversity within our department. We, I'm sure we like to do better, you know. Like I work in recruiting, and we're trying our best to get more, make it more diverse, you know. But some of the other places, they don't have no diversity, and so they don't understand, you know. So I can imagine that's why they have the challenges that they have, you know. For but, sure. Uh, but no, we good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah but you I'm know, good. I had a... I had a friend of mine, plus Pierre, he's a comedian in Miami. He was on my podcast and I asked him, he was telling me about how when he got pulled over, uh, he didn't, I said, why don't you just tell the officer you were a comedian and that would sort of like lighten the mood. Do you think, Right. do you think that if somebody told you, somebody who was speeding told you that they were a comedian, do you think that would work? Absolutely. Absolutely. That's what I told him. He's like, no, no, no. I just, I just stay straight. I'm like, no, you should tell him so that he's not scared of you. Yeah, no, that would work. That would definitely work. Actually, I get my friends all the time that are state troopers. They'll come and say, hey, man, I pulled over this guy. He says he's a comedian, says he knows you, and they'll tell me that. I'm like, oh, yeah, I know him. He's a good friend of mine. Did you give him a ticket? He says, nah, man, he knew you, so I didn't give him one. You right, know? Come on. exactly. Come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what? Come I'm going to call him up and let him know. Um <laughs> <laughs> well, officer, yeah, call me, let him know. am I supposed to call you officer or sergeant or what? You call me daddy. <laughs> all right well thanks for no, being on my podcast me Dwayne. you just call me Dwayne, but I'm i know a sergeant. but I'm a sergeant. you're a sergeant all right well sergeant Dwayne gill um thanks for doing my podcast people can follow you on instagram and twitter at the comedy cop and go to your website at www.dwaynegill with two l's.com yes is there anything you. is there anything you want to plug uh, let me see. No, nothing I got to push right now. Hold, hold on a second. I got, let me get rid of this call. I don't want to talk to them. So send the voicemail. Okay, there we go. Um, let me see. Let me see. I got a bunch of Christmas stuff coming up. I know. We'll you list a bunch corporate. of private events on your website. So uh, go see him yeah, at a private event. Private. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But follow me on Twitter, please. Follow me on Twitter. Instagram, I, I need some followers, so tell people to follow me, okay? All right, well, follow at the Comedy Cop on Twitter and Instagram. Thanks for doing my podcast. I'll see you You're soon, welcome. man. I got to get up to Michigan. I got to I gotta do the Comedy Castle with you. Yeah, we got to. We'll talk about it, okay, for sure. All, All right. right. All right, cool. Well, thank you so much. Nice talking to you. All right, have a good day. Thanks, please. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. <laughs> Bears, thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Follow Sergeant Dwayne Gill on Twitter and Instagram. Let him know where you think he should retire. Should he retire in LA like Eddie Murphy in Beverly Hills Cop? Was that the real inspiration for him becoming a comedian slash cop? Or should he retire in New York? Let him know by tweeting at him at the comedy cop on Twitter. Alright? And follow Ku and the Gang on Twitter at coup in the game all right so let them know you listened and if you live in the lansing michigan or surrounding areas ann arbor etc you should whenever you get pulled over by a cop for speeding or whatever 
drop his name, man. That's the perks of listening to this podcast. Yo, you now friends with Dwayne Guild. Be like, yo, that's my friend. And that cop don't have to know you didn't really know him personally, personally. So um, thank you, Dwayne Gill, for doing my podcast. Follow him. I got a big show coming up in uh, on New Year's Eve. If you live in Pompano Beach, Florida, South Florida, come out to the Florida Comedy Club in Pompano Beach, Florida. There is actually a Groupon available. If you live in the area, look that Groupon up. You get a little discount. You know what I'm saying? So thank you guys so much for listening to this week's episode. Um, I know it's almost Christmas and everybody's doing their holiday shopping. So if you are buying things on Amazon, do me a favor and Koo and the gang a favor. won't cost you uh, a penny more. But if you are going to buy shit on Amazon, go to www.fonnykoo.com and click on the Amazon banner and buy your stuff through the link on my website. That would help me out. Mucho, and it would help cover some travel expenses for when I do go on the road to record the other episodes. All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening this week. Go online, review the podcast, rate it, subscribe, tell all your friends about it, download it on all those Target iPhones, Best Buy iPhones while you're out and about. Okay. Thank you so much. I'll see you guys next week. Bye.